Thank you, Cass and Mercedes and Lynn for directing these wonderful skits. It's a reminder of thankfulness as we continue this Thanksgiving Sunday and see if I can get these unmuted. There we go. We're going to turn in our Bibles to Philippians chapter 4. And on that, we're going to talk a little about thankfulness and a little bit of Paul's gratitude for the the Philippians and children is missed at junior church at this time too. We're going to look at Philippians chapter 4, verses 19 through 23. Philippians chapter 4, verses 19 through 23. And we're just going to be finishing up this wonderful epistle, this wonderful letter to the church at Philippi. And by way of introduction, actually, they already introduced it quite well. They introduced this idea of being thankful and remembering that things happen for a reason. And, uh, do you ever notice the stars at night? Do you ever really go outside and just look at the beauty of the stars? And just thank God for his just great and awesome, beautiful creation. And give God thanks. A farmer takes his nephew camping He was an old country farmer. He's taking his nephew camping for the first time. His nephew had five degrees, really smart guy. He's one of the smartest men alive. Uh, They set up their tent and they quickly fell asleep. In the middle of the night, the farmer woke up his nephew. He said, look up, look up, what do you see? The nephew said, I see millions of stars. The farmer said, I know, I know that, but, but what does that tell you? He said, Astronomically, it tells me there are billions of galaxies. Meteorologically, it tells me it's going to be a beautiful day. Theologically, it tells me God is a great creator. What does that tell you? The farmer shook his head and, well, the the nephew said to to the farmer, what does that tell you? The farmer just shook his head and said, tells me somebody stole our tent. (laughs) He had missed... The obviously, but at least he was giving gratitude for the beautiful sky and the, you know, the amazing, beautiful stars. Gratitude. You know, my theme today is God supplies every need and he is rich. God supplies every need and he is rich. He's not limited. We can trust him. He is faithful. A man needed his pants ironed. His wife, as she ironed the pants for him, burned the pants. These pants were brand new pants that he was looking forward to wearing. Her husband started to get mad, but stopped to think before reacting. And he said, Lord, thank you that my leg wasn't in those pants. (laughs) The moral of that little story, there's always a reason to give thanks. There's always a reason to give thanks. And sometimes, all the time, for me, it's, Repeatedly, I need to redirect my thinking to that reason to give thanks. A few weeks ago, we talked about Philippians uh, 4, 6, and 7. Do not be anxious for anything, but in all situations, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And and you've heard me give this illustration. Sometimes if you think about our, our thinking like a TV with hundreds and hundreds of channels, Hundreds and hundreds of channels. And our mind is like a TV and it flips from one channel to another to another. And we need to keep flipping the channel to the channel of thankfulness, of gratitude, of joyfulness, of, 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 of positivity. Sometimes for me, I got to change a channel a couple times because it wants to go to the negative. 
There's always a reason to give thanks. God supplies every need, and he is rich. First, we see that God supplies. If you're there in Philippians chapter 4, look at verse 19. Paul says, And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Now, I know what you're thinking. Why does this passage begin with and? I'm glad you asked. (laughs) We have to look at the context, right? In the past few weeks, we've talked about how Paul had exhorted them and thanked them for providing for his ministry continuously. They They were supporting his ministry. And Paul's picking up from that. Paul talked about the Philippians and how great the church at Philippi was. And he's picking up from that. He's just continuing. They had they'd been provided for, they had been providing for him. And in verse 18, he says that he has received full payment and is well supplied. So the and links this passage with the previous section. Paul tells him that he is well supplied. And then Paul continues with verse 19 about God supplying every need of theirs. It goes right together. His thanks for them, his thanks for the church at Philippi. And my God will supply every need of yours. They've generously donated to his ministry. They've they've generously supported his ministry. And he says, my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Now, who provides for the needs? Who provides? He says, my God. The Lord provides. God is the actor in this passage. God is the actor in this passage. What needs does the Lord take care of? The Lord, he says, and my God will supply every need of yours. In Romans 8, 35 through 37, it begins with, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? And the answer is no one and nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. And then in Romans 8, 35 through 37, Paul then lists several things. He says, tribulation, not gonna separate us. Distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, sword, and others, not gonna separate. God supplies for every need in every circumstance. In Philippians 4, 19, he's talking about financial needs, though it could certainly apply to every other need. As I've already pointed out, just 13 verses earlier in verses 6 through 7, Paul said not to be anxious, but to pray with thanksgiving. It is like now he's saying, God will provide for those needs. Don't worry. Pray. Be thankful. God will provide for those needs. Change the TV station in your mind. Change it to prayer. Change it to thankfulness. Change it away from worry. How does God provide for every need? Paul says right here, according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. God provides in Jesus. God provides from his riches. The Lord is rich the Lord is not limited. Romans eleven thirty three through 36. At the end of 11 chapters dealing with theology, the theology of salvation, 
Paul exclaims, oh, he does. He's just amazed by how awesome God is and awesome, how awesome God's salvation is. And so he begins a doxology, but he begins with, oh, oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and unfathomable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord or who became his counselor? Or who has first given to him that it might be paid back to him again? No one. No one knows the mind of the Lord. No one's been his counselor. God doesn't need us. He doesn't need any of us. He is rich all on his own. He chooses to use us. He's rich. Or who has first given to him that it might be paid back to him again? God doesn't need us to pay him anything. God is using us. In fact, actually, all of our money, all of our material possessions, everything we have, it belongs to God to begin with. It will belong to him again too. In the beginning, God created time, space, and matter. Genesis 1.1. He owns time. He owns space. He owns the atoms and the molecules. He owns it all. He doesn't need us to pay him back. He wants to use us because he knows when we serve him and we love him and we, when we share with others, serve others in honor of him, we are, we, are, we are being blessed. For from him and through him and to him, to God are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. That's the end of a major theological section of Romans chapters one through 11. Thank you, Don. The Lord is rich and he provides. That's what Paul's addressing right here. The Lord will supply every need of theirs, every need of ours, according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. And now Paul speaks glory back to God. We're gonna look at verse 20 and we're gonna see another doxology. And Paul is speaking glory back to God. In verse 20 of Philippians 4, Paul says, to our God, and Father, be glory forever and ever. Amen. He is speaking glory back to God. Doxology is based on the word doxa, which means glory, and logos, which means to speak, to speak glory back to God. That's exactly what Paul is doing here at the very end of Philippians. He is speaking glory back to God. To our God and Father, be glory forever and ever. Amen. He's talked about God being rich. He's talked about God providing every need of theirs, every need of theirs. Now he's speaking glory back to God. He is, he is positioning himself with the church too, not above the church. Notice that. He says, to our God and Father. He is speaking himself to, he is positioning, positioning himself with the church, not above the church. That's why he's using our, to our God and Father. God is our Father. He is our caregiver. Do you ever think about it that way? God is our Father. He is our caregiver. He cares. Sunday school, I was in Matthew chapter 8. We're going to continue Matthew chapter 8 next week. And we're looking at Jesus healing a leper. Lepers were unclean, highly unclean. They had leper colonies. They had to go around with their hand on their head saying, unclean, unclean. It was highly contagious. They couldn't enter the temple. They were outcasts from society. This leper goes before Jesus, bows down, says, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out, touched him, and heals him. When Jesus touched him, 
Jesus would then be unclean. That didn't matter to Jesus. Jesus loved him, wanted to heal him. God is our father and he cares about us just like Jesus cared about that leper. Mercedes, my oldest, was about 12 years old. No, she is about 12 now. <laughs> she was two. She was two years old. I gave this illustration in Sunday school. So Sunday school class, you get it again. And uh, she was two years old and she would go through these patterns where she would cough in her sleep until she just threw up. And sometimes she would just sleep through that. And one night, her door was shut, she's in bed, and I, Abigail was just born. Abigail was like three days old. And I, for some reason, thought, I'm going to open her bedroom door. And I had heard her coughing a few times, but I'm going to check in on her. And I'm glad I did. Praise God they did, because she had gotten sick. And it was just all over her, you know, and her hair, just everything. You know, you just think of the mess. And, you know, as a parent... You don't care about that. I mean, you care about the girl. You don't say, hey, I'm not going to touch that. You know, that's messy. Let somebody else clean that up. No, as a parent, you love your kids. You love your grandkids. And you're going to just rush in and you're going to help them. You're going to clean them up. You're going to take care of the situation. You know, if you're not a parent, if you're a bystander, you know, when you see, you know, things like that, you don't want to get involved in it. But as a parent, you love your child and you just go in and help. God is our father. He loves us. He is our caregiver. He is rich. He can supply. He wants to supply. He can meet. He wants to meet all of our needs. He doesn't always meet them the way we want him to meet those needs, does he? He lets us walk through valleys. He lets us walk through hard times because he knows what we need in the end, not what we need in the moment. He knows what we need in the end, not what we need in the moment. God is our caregiver. He is our father. And he's reminding, the apostle Paul right here is reminding the church at Philippi that God is our father. Now we see greetings. It's interesting. Paul gives his doxology and then greets them. And you'd think the doxology would be at the end, but maybe, maybe he thought, I still have to come back to greetings. So he does greetings. Look at it. Verses 21 through 22. He says, greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. Now, this is a typical closing for Paul. We're closing the letter to the church at Philippi. We've been walking through this letter for a few months now. This is a typical closing for the apostle Paul. The greeting is in Christ Jesus. The greeting is in Christ Jesus. We are bound together in Christ Jesus. All of us, it's the same thing. If you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, if you're committed to him as your Lord and Savior, we have something stronger than anything else binding us together. We are bound together in Christ Jesus. Now, everybody is bound together in a way of being common human beings, creating the image of God. But when you're in Christ Jesus, we are one in the family of God. And so he is greeting them in Christ Jesus. Paul calls them saints. This means holy ones. And he includes every saint. He includes every saint. Do you realize that in the New Testament, in the New Testament, after we, are, we commit to Christ and become Christians, we're not called sinners, we're called saints. We're not called sinners, we're called saints. Your status before God is a saint, not a sinner. Now, we'll still mess up, we'll still stumble and fall, and we still need to repent of that. But our status, our positional status before God is reconciled, we're reconciled to him, 
We are a saint. He calls them saints. And it's interesting, uh, Paul includes them all. And instead of using the collective all, though, Paul used the individualistic every to declare that each saint was worthy of his concern. And Paul also includes the brothers who are with them greeting them. Now, this is interesting. John MacArthur points out, they certainly included Timothy and Epaphroditus. We know that from Philippians 2, 19 and 25. Others who were preaching the gospel in Rome were present. We, we see that in Philippians 1, 14. It is possible that Tychicus, Aristarchus, Onesimus, Onesimus were here about in the letter of Philemon, and Jesus' justice were also there. We see that in Colossians 4, 7 and 9 through 11. And Paul references Caesar's household. That is really, really interesting. A significant number of people, not limited to Caesar's family, this, this would be, Caesar's household would be a significant number of people, not limited to Caesar's family, which would include courtiers, princes, judges, cooks, food tasters, musicians, custodians, builders, stablemen, soldiers, and accountants. Within that large group... Paul had in mind those who, through the proclamation of the gospel by members of the church at Rome, had been saved prior to his coming. And newly added to their number were those led, by, led to Christ by Paul himself, including those soldiers who were chained to him while he was in prison. This is coming full circle. Because remember in Philippians chapter 1, Paul basically said, I know you know that I'm in prison. I know you know that I'm in this dungeon. He's either in house arrest or in a dungeon-type prison. He says, I know you know that I'm chained to a Roman centurion. I'm chained to a guard. But Paul says, don't worry about me. I have a captive audience, and I'm sharing the gospel. I've been a witness to Caesar's own military guard. And what's neat here is the citadel of Rome has the gospel. Caesar's household has heard the gospel. And how'd they hear the gospel? Partly through Paul's imprisonment. Paul's in prison there, and he's able to talk about Jesus with them. Do we talk about Jesus everywhere we go? That kind of goes along with the thankfulness, right? Everywhere we go, God puts us in places, and he puts us there for a reason. It might be a hospital bed. It might be a temporary rehabilitation or therapy or, or even a nursing home. It might be, it might be a, a hard place, at, a hard day at work. But he has us at place, places and positions and situations for a reason. The citadel of Rome now has the gospel. Then we see his benediction. Look at verse 23. Paul says, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Now get this, this is interesting. Paul ends every one of his letters with grace be with you. Every one of his letters, he ends with grace be with you. And he begins every one of his letters with grace to you. Every single one of his letters, all 13 of his letters, there are no exceptions. He begins with grace to you and he ends with grace be with you. John Piper suggests the reason is that as he begins to write a letter and walks through the letter, grace is going to them as they listen. They'd be listening to the letter. They'd be listening to somebody read the letter. And grace is going to them as they listen to the letter. Then as the letter ends, they go back into the world and grace goes with them. As the letter ends, they go back into the world and grace goes with them. And that's true of us. It's true of us. We exit this place and we go into the mission field. We go about our daily lives. Grace, God's grace, goes with us. 
Let's make some applications. Do we know that God provides? Can we trust him to be our provider? And like a loving father, can we trust him to provide the way he knows best, even though it may not be what we want? Do we know that he provides our needs, not our wants? We may have to do without. Do we see that Paul writes, God will provide every need? Are we going to the Lord with our needs? And I'm not just talking about financial needs. Emotional needs matter. Other various needs, human companionship, whatever it might be, job needs, everything, they matter. Are we going to the Lord with our needs? What needs are we holding back from asking the Lord for? I mean real needs. The Lord always answers prayers based on what we would ask if we knew what he knows. Do you realize that? It's what we would ask if we knew what the Lord knows. He's omniscient. He knows all things. The Lord always answers our prayers based on what we would ask if we knew what he knows. He knows what we need. Do we realize how rich the Lord is? He owns it all. He owns us. Do we worship God as we ask for needs? Paul did this in verse 20. He ends up going back to worshiping the Lord. Are we worshiping the Lord throughout the week? I was running this morning at in a very early time. Most of you were probably asleep. And I'm looking out at these just obviously beautiful, beautiful, beautiful stars. I love looking at the stars and the frost. I would be glad if it was 20 degrees warmer, but either way, it's a beautiful frosty morning, stars out, and I'm pretty sure I saw a shooting star. This is amazing. It's, it's amazing when you look at the night sky and you see how awesome the Lord is. And I don't know about you, it leads me to worship. Do we need to remember that God is our Father? Some of you are sitting here. You need to remember that God is your father. He cares for you. He loves you. He wants a closer and closer relationship with you. Do we value the body of Christ? Paul includes everyone as he greets them. He includes everyone as he greets them. Do we value the body of Christ and how important the Christian body is? The companionship, the fellowship. You know, the sun is a light 24 hours a day seven days a week. All year long, all decade long, all century long, the sun just keeps on shining. The problem, however, is that the earth gets dark. How can there be all that light and the earth still gets dark? It's because the earth turns. The earth gets dark because the earth is spinning on its axis. Therefore, the side that faces the sun gets light, and the side that is facing away does not. Here's the application. If there's darkness in your life, it's not because God, the Father of lights, is turning. He's not turning his face away. It's because we are turning. There is no darkness in God. God is faithful. God is consistent. Just like the sun, he is always shining, and in his light, there is no shifting or moving shadow. We just have to make sure that we are turning towards the Lord, that we are redirecting our thoughts, that we are changing the channel, changing, changing the channel in your mind. Find that remote control. You don't need to replace the batteries. They're always on. And redirect your thinking. 2 Corinthians 10, 5, Paul talks about taking every thought into captivity and to obedience to Christ. Redirect your thinking 
to the Lord in his ways. Redirect your thinking to Colossians 3, 16 and 17, doing all things with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Redirect your thinking to Colossians 3, 1, setting your mind on things above where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Redirect your thinking to Philippians 4, 6 and 7, not being interested, but to pray and to pray with thanksgiving. Redirect your thinking. Our Lord is rich. He is amazing. And we can serve and worship and, 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 and trust him. He is faithful. We can trust him. We're going to have an altar call invitational song, Wonderful, Merciful Savior. And we're going to play that after I pray. And then after that, we're going to come up and sing a peppy song to close, a Celebrate Jesus, Celebrate, which we sang. It's, it's an old song. It's been around like 30 or 40 years. Uh, and we sang it a few weeks ago. It's the first time we sang it here, but you all got right into it. So I thought we need to do that again soon. So Celebrate Jesus, Celebrate. But first, you know, Wonderful, Merciful Savior, Precious redeemer and friend. Meditate on the words of that song and the altars are opened and we would love to pray with you. And, uh, you know, the, the prayer, the altar prayers would love to pray with you. Of course, if you come up and you wanna pray alone, that's certainly fine as well, but we welcome, it's a privilege to pray with you. So let's pray now. Heavenly Father, you are our wonderful, merciful savior. You are our precious redeemer and friend. And Lord God, as we meditate on the words of this song, I pray, Lord God, that you would speak to our hearts. And I pray, Lord God, that you as our loving Father would encourage everyone gathered here. You would encourage everyone gathered here. And Lord God, it may be, I'm sure it is, that someone gathered here doesn't know you as Lord and Savior. And I pray that today would be the day they turn their life to you, confessing they're a sinner in need of a Savior, believing in you as the one and only Savior trusting in you and committing to you. Some here might have strayed from you. They're not walking closely with you anymore. And I pray that today would be the day they rededicate their life back to you. I pray that you would reassure all of us. You're a loving father. I ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Go and start the song, please. <clears throat>